Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Dot C-O. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Okay, so this is going to get pretty toasty, for City. I'm going to do the best that I can to roll through a lot of this and then get to the game that we're all getting ready for across America or probably across the world. Let me say it that right way. Across the world, this ain't no just American football. They say, oh, the football we know is soccer, so on and so forth. But when this day comes around, everybody across the globe is watching this game. So I, I beg to differ when people say that. They just try to, you know, get soccer out there. But I love it. it no matter what, it's a competitive sport. I respect soccer. These guys are some of the most complete in tune, in shape, running guys ever because they can run miles. But I'm not even going to get too lost in that situation. Let me do this the best way that I can. Calling out of the Midwest region of the United States, we have Mr. Harvey in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch this morning. How are you feeling? Hey, what's up, Thomas, man? It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's Christmas for all football fans. So, I mean, listen, man, I'm I'm excited for this game and all the other stuff that you and I are going to get to. And as I tell you every Sunday, man, you might get tired of hearing it, but I never get tired of saying it, man. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be alongside you. I appreciate you having me, my brother. Oh, what a what a compliment, man. I take that, man. I got to take that, man. Shout out, shout out to the Harvey family and the foundation of the 
the Harveys in the boot and the rest of this the Midwest region and, and my nephew running around out there too, that's for sure, man. But we got we got a show to get into and I can't I can't tell you I feel like Bart Scott, ooh, I can't wait, I'm at the edge of my seat. But before we get into any of that before we get into any of that, I'm gonna talk about how heavy this week has been and of the week that some of us seen some of this coming, but didn't know how it was going to end up going down. Some stuff is incomplete at this point in time, but, you know, respectively so, if things do clear up, we'll start to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, first and foremost, we have Kyrie Irving moving to the Dallas Mavericks. He's already played a few games there. He's having success so far. He's 2-1 and one out the gate there. Um that's one big move out of him leaving Brooklyn, going to the Nets. And then you also have a, a co-star, bigger name from that same organization, and Kevin Durant leaving the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets, going to the uh, the Phoenix Suns. The Brooklyn Nets. And uh, he has a play. No, no, I, I, I clipped it. I, I, I stopped it before I even said the next letter out of there. So, so stop that. Stop that. So um, he went to the Suns. He has not played a game yet. They wait until that thing formulates. I think that might be a smooth transition if Monty Williams kind of has the same system that they work with in Oklahoma City. Um, you also have Russell Westbrook ending up having a, a few team trade, if you will, going toward the Utah Jazz. But from what I am hearing, the Utah Jazz have stated that Russell Westbrook will not play with the Utah Jazz at all. So they are willing to pay him that $47 million buyout to get rid of him so he could end up going anywhere he chooses. Uh, the one thing that is having me baffled is they're ready to give him that type of money to get rid of him. And it's like, where does he end up going? Uh, Paul George has entertained it, basically saying that he could come to L.A. and play with the Clippers. Uh, we, we'd invite him. But the one thing that baffled me about Paul George is he's the one that left Oklahoma City after signing the Supermax there and has all the disarray happening in L.A. Uh, with all of the draft picks that the Clippers had to turn over to the Thunder to get him out of there. So there's a lot of different picks or or trades, if you will, that went down in the NBA. I just wanted to get some of the monster names out of the way to set this thing off. Uh, Mike, your, your thoughts on first thing first, from Kyrie down to KD to Russell Westbrook, uh, enter another trade that may have raised your eyebrow, uh, set it off. Uh, cool, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, you know, Kyrie to Dallas, I think if there's any guy that can figure that out for them, it is Jason Kidd, who is the quintessential point guard, because I think that probably for these guys to be most effective, they're probably going to have to sometimes take turns coming off the ball, right? Luke will be on the ball a good bit, but Kyrie can come to spell him, so you could do a little bit of a mix and match here or there. Uh, you know, listen, the thing about Kevin Durant, like, I think he's going to a place now, uh, at least we'll, we'll see how this turns out, but I know him and Monty Williams have a past relationship, um, but he's going to a place where he can really kind of focus and play basketball with all the distractions and things with ownership. That's all kind of these guys want to do, so he can focus and play basketball. Um, you know, we'll, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if Phoenix gets involved in the buyout and what they do, because I really kind of worry about the depth on that roster. You know, shout out to uh, Cheap Plug, as we sometimes do other shows. Uh, if you want to hear a, a lot of the trade deadline coverage from Sports City as well, uh, Chandler and I hit this on uh, Thursday night with the roundtable gumbo and went pretty in-depth into this. So, 
at the risk of not repeating one tough. I do want to correct one thing from the other night. Bones Highland uh, from Denver is now a Clipper. He was not one of the guy that came back to the Lakers uh, in the trade where the Lakers sent Thomas Bryant to the Rocky Mountains. But, you know, just looking around the league, timeless, 28 out of 30 teams did something, which is crazy to me. And the fact that, you know, Chicago and Cleveland were the only two that didn't do anything. Uh, Cleveland didn't need to. They did a lot of their heavy lifting in the offseason. Chicago needed to do something. You know, like that team is uh, really having some struggles right now. So I, I feel like they should have done something, but they didn't. But the the thing that's so unbelievable to me about this uh, – well, let me say one more thing before I do this. I think that Rob Palinka did some things uh, considering the uh, limited uh, assets uh, I think he did some things to try to make that team a little better and try to come up with some pieces that might be uh, slightly better fits in L.A. So, uh, listen, I've been scratching my head for a year and a half saying I don't know what he's going to do. I'm not sure that this makes them, you know, a true contender in the West or anything. Um, I'm not sure what it necessarily does for them moving forward, but they would like to be able to keep Russell past this year, and there's some other things going on. Uh, I, I just think that – even though there's still a lot to be done, I do think overall the Lakers roster is a little bit better, uh, you know, than it was even uh, a couple weeks ago. As far as Russ goes, I kind of hope he, I hope he lands somewhere where he can be successful, man. You, you said Paul George and other guys in the Clippers locker room were talking about him last night. Uh, and then you also have, you know, there's been some talk about Miami. I don't really necessarily see that happening, but I could see how it might work. But the, the crazy thing to me, TP, and, and I'll, I'll kind of leave it at this, this is Super Bowl week. NFL takes headlines, right? Uh, but Thursday, with everything going down, there was so much talk around basketball. It's not like anybody forgot that the Super Bowl was going on, but what a big deal for the NBA to really be in the sports headlines and garner so much attention during the, biggest, during the week of the biggest football game of the year. Football is still America's passion, but this was a big win for the National Basketball Association this week and the way they were able to grab headlines. Uh, regardless of what anybody thinks of any of the players being traded and whatever else, this was a really big win for basketball. Like, I think that was really cool. Okay, so speak, speaking of which, right, you threw out the, uh, the Russell Westbrook situation. <clears throat> Do you think this could be the end of his career, um, knowing that he's going to have to try and find a home uh, he basically went back home being a Laker fan growing up in Long Beach, California. That did not work. Russell has been on five teams in the past five and a half years, maybe six. I'll give him a six-year window because he didn't really finish this season. <clears throat> but for him to win an MVP uh, award and being excused from so many different teams and not really settling in and being stuck in his ways um, – is this a situation where he's going to go to a team, they get the, how do I say it, the two-month preview of what they get to see of an aging Russell Westbrook who will end up being 35 as of November this year? Um, is this going to be towards the end? And how many years do you see left in his tank uh, being allowed within the NBA? You know, that's a really interesting question because um, I thought that, the best thing that he could have done on this team was accept a role in the second unit. We knew it was a bad fit from the start, right, TP? Because we know how 
ball dominant LeBron is, right? And so Westbrook's used to being on the ball. He's not coming off the ball like that, and he's not a shooter, right? So if you're not going to be on the ball, then you need to be able to shoot to stretch the floor or to help with spacing. And he's not that. He has to play on the ball. Um, so, you know, to me, it's even in, in a decline, the guy still plays hard. He gives a lot of effort. This has really been hard to see because I've always loved Russell Westbrook's energy, even like going to see him when I lived in Oklahoma City, seeing how he left it all out there on the floor. Like, always loved his energy and tenacity as a player. Uh, sometimes you might need to throttle back just a little bit. Uh, to me, it's whether or not he's willing to uh, possibly accept a reduced role on a team. And or if, if he can get in the right situation, though, and he can uh, still push the ball and run, and there's shooters and people that he can find that can hit shots, I think Russell Westbrook can still be effective in this league. Um, it's just can we find the right spot? The other thing that I would say is, and I understand this was after he was gone, and, you know, we all know how people like to sort of kick somebody when they're down. There were sources and articles that I read that made the statement that Westbrook was kind of like a vampire, sort of sucking the blood or the spirit out of that locker room, as if he was sort of a malcontent. I'm not saying that that's true or not, but what I am saying is whatever team he goes to, uh, he cannot have people in the locker room with that reputation, you know, thinking that of him. He's got to, through his actions, even off the court, he's got to change that narrative a little bit. Otherwise, this could be the end a little bit prematurely. We know that he's not the same, as explosive as he once was. Father Time catches up with everybody. And Russ has always been hard on his body because of how hard he plays. Boss to the wall, how hard he plays. But I think if he's in the right fit and or is willing to accept his role and, you know, try to be a leader and teach and, uh, you know, be an example with his work ethic off the court as well, I think he could still be in this league for a while. But I think this is largely up to Russ, TP, and how he wants to carry himself and what he wants. He can't be the superstar on the team. He can't really even be, to me, on a winning team, he can't be the first, second, or even third scoring option. He can be on the ball, he can run, um, he, he can push, and he can find shooters. And if you have him in that kind of situation, he could still be successful. So it's going to depend on the fit, and it's going to depend on uh, his attitude. Uh, but if, you know, there's not the right fit and he's not willing to accept that kind of role and realize, yo, it's not just about me, then it could be the premature end. But if he will, like, I still think he could be productive in this league for a little while. I see a two- to three-year window, um, but it's going to be a good window. Um, I think Russ is definitely spiraling out of control. Um, his, I really want to say his attitude. I don't want to say his ego, but his attitude has basically cost him. What is going to be effective for Russ is if he could go to a team that needs a point guard that draws that attention, but also he's going to need the type, type of makeup that he went through while he was with Oklahoma City. Not to say to the extent of Oklahoma City where there was a bunch of nobodies around him, but they still made it work somehow. He's still going to need quality players around him and still let him run the show but still be able to be talked to. That's the one thing about Russell Westbrook is, like, there was only one person on Oklahoma City that could talk to him, and that was Maurice Cheeks. He has to be coachable. I think the situation between him and Darvin Ham spiraled out of control let alone Darvin Ham was in his first year coaching and Russ didn't even want to meet him halfway. So it is tough for a lot of organizations to try and deal with a head case. I hate to say it like that, but that's, that is what's going on with Russell Westbrook at this point in time. Um, 
I'm, I'm here, you know, I had the discussion several times, him potentially going to the Miami Heat. If he could go down there and make that happen, that may, may be interested with him. Uh, Butler and Bam out of bio, that'll probably be an interesting push while they are in the midst of the run to the Eastern Conference, uh, at least the Eastern Conference playoffs. I'm not going to say finals or anything, but at least to the playoffs. But would they entertain it? Would Spolstra be ready to deal with the emotion and the attitude that he brings to the table? Because we know just a, a year or two ago on the spat that Jimmy Butler had on that sideline and, uh, you know, Udonis Haslam nor Eric Spolstra did not want to deal with that at all. They basically wanted to fight him on the sideline. So if Russ could – Somehow simmer down, but that's the nature of what he brings to the game. Uh, there's a lot of other teams that aren't in the hunt that I know Russell would probably not entertain. I know that they were talking about trying to trade him to Charlotte and trying to see if they could get LaMelo to move, but I don't think Charlotte moves off of LaMelo. I don't think Charlotte wants to have a young, a bunch of young guns deal with Russell Westbrook at this point in time. So that's those are a few of the featured teams. Also with the San Antonio Spurs, which uh, Greg Popovich also showing an interest and Russell Westbrook, but again, there's a bunch of young players there that you don't want him to fuel bad spirits down there, especially while they got rid of some key players in total and Richardson as well. Both of them got moved in this trade deadline uh, mayhem as well. So I, I feel I like really the first like... situation. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I still really like that fit though with the Clippers, yo. When you got Paul George and Kawhi on the wings, Got a rookie like Terrence Mann, a couple guys inside. Um, you not don't even necessarily start, but you can. But I, I still really like that fit with the Clippers roster because I think they they do like to get up and down and run, and I think he could really fit what they want to do. Okay, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, there's another name, and, and you know me being a Thunder diehard, and this one they both hurt. I'm not even gonna lie, dude. I did not want to see Russell's career fire a lot of control like this. I thought he was good in Oklahoma City, but once Paul George left, he wanted to leave, and that kind of got crazy. And that's kind of like a bad karma because he didn't fit well with Houston. He didn't fit well with the Wizards, and LeBron wanted him to come to L.A. He didn't fit with the Lakers now. He, they moved him to Utah, and Utah doesn't even want him, so trying to figure out how this is going to happen. Another one is going to come up right now that bothers me because uh, the need that we had for him at a certain time, and now he's basically in the wash, and that's Serge Ibaka. Uh, Serge Ibaka got himself a championship with the Raptors and has been moved all throughout the NBA for the past, I want to say, four seasons or so, uh, spanning from the Clippers to the Bucks to the Pacers. Now the Pacers are waving him, and he's homeless as well. Um, when he was on Oklahoma City, this guy was a defensive monster block shots left and right. Now it's like there's no need for him across the league. And I want to see Serge play because it's not like he got slow or old. It's just his role has diminished while he's been on these teams. And I want to see Serge fit somewhere. Heck, if you want, try to get back home to Oklahoma City because we need somebody in the paint. And you could extend the floor and hit shots. So that's one thing that Serge did bring to the game, but the system is different. There's no Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan is in Chicago unless he goes to the Bulls, which I doubt because the Bulls have a good amount of bigs there. Um, do you think this is the end of the career for Serge Ibaka while he has not really played in the past season or so? If Serge Ibaka has anything in the tank health-wise, if I'm Phoenix, I'm calling him today. Uh, because after Aiden, who the coach doesn't even really like, uh, and they, you know, they don't really get along – 
you don't have a ton inside, and you don't have any depth. I mean, your your basic, uh, you know, your first guy off the bench is campaign, uh, you know, backing up Chris Paul or whatever. You don't really have a lot of uh, depth on that team, and especially no size. And this guy can block some shots and grab rebounds for you. And as you said, he can he can knock down some shots too. So I think as a eighth ninth man off the bench, if he's healthy, um, I think Phoenix is a place that makes ton of sense to him. He already has some familiar familiarity with Kevin Durant. And I think that he was in Oklahoma City uh, for a minute. He was still there when Monty Williams was the assistant coach. I had to double-check my timeline. But uh, I think that this would be a fit that makes a ton of sense for Serge. Yeah, we'll actually see if that – where he was there uh, when Monty was there because that Serge left the same year KD left. They both left in 2016 after the Western Conference uh, final appearance against Golden State. Serge was on the roster. So Monty did see Serge while he was an assistant there. Um, if he can get into to Phoenix, that would be great because I think that they lost a good amount of pieces on that team, especially with the deal that went to Brooklyn because a lot of their wings have gone there. So, you know, you're going to need another piece outside of Aiton to be in the paint because, to be honest, I think they're pretty thin outside of the notable starting five once they get to full strength. Um, the bigger piece of this puzzle, and I'm glad that you went to Phoenix because it actually brings me right back to the situation, is the Kevin Durant situation. Kevin Durant has may have gone to Phoenix, right? This is interesting. He may have gone to Phoenix, but is this a situation where this is not all set in stone for him to get another championship? He's continually falling into big three after big three after big three, and it's not working out for him. For him to be considered one of, let's say, top three, top five players in the NBA, he has not corralled the championship outside of being with Steph Curry and the Splash Brothers. Um, it's interesting to me because he's injury prone. I, I don't like to say this to, to or about Kevin Durant, but it's happened over the past couple of years. While he came to the Nets, he was injured. Um, in two different since he's been injured with the Nets. Um, him leaving the Warriors, he left on an injury. Uh, Oklahoma City, he missed the season uh, with a broken bone in his, his foot. Like, these things have happened to Kevin Durant. While in September, he turns 35 as well. There are a lot of question marks in front of Kevin Durant that he's been dodging, but I'm not going to let it happen. Your thoughts on Kevin Durant and the mystified future on how he looks at least entering the Western Conference once again. I think this is a short window for Durant, <clears throat> and he's also not healthy right now. So, uh, you know, you're talking end of February before he comes back after the break. Can he come back and be healthy for the stretch run and play through the season? You know, that's a big question. So <clears throat> if he could do that, then great. But I still wonder, uh, just like, we, you know, we could point to Brooklyn and say this roster has flaws, and at the end of the day, it told on him in the playoffs. I, when I look at Chris Paul and I look at Booker and I see Duran and Aiton, and there are still flaws on this roster, and part of it is depth and part of it is sometimes these uh, all these guys have had injuries. It's, it's, at times it seemed to be, you know, in key moments as well. So, uh, listen, when he 
is healthy and on the court and can play, we know that Kevin Durant can still play this game at a very, very high level. Uh, some of the guys that uh, he's going to join forces with are young, but the true point guard engine that sort of makes it uh, go is very long in the tooth and not even the same guy that he was a year or two ago because, as we've talked about many times, father time is undefeated. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I feel like his that window is a, a year or two at most for Chris Paul. So how does Phoenix get real creative in what they do, or, you know, even beyond the season – you know, at that point guard position, how they how do they continue to shape that roster? What I think that this Phoenix team has done basically is given themselves by trading all these pieces. They basically said, "F it, we're throwing all our cards in the center of the table." Um, and you got now you got about a two year window, as you like to say. I want to be fair with the number. It could be one more, but uh, you got about a two year window to win it all. Otherwise, they're going to be talking about this being a huge disappointment and. Uh, a bad move as well. So, you know, like you said, 35 um, with the injuries he's had before. Um, he could play a little bit longer if he wants to take a uh, a slightly diminished role late in his career, I feel like. But I think 37, 38 is kind of our, our best numbers as far as Kevin Durant being able to compete at a very, very high level. No, I, I think he can extend his career as long as he wants to, but it's like, okay, I'm really looking at Chris Paul's situation coming to a halt soon. Um, I really feel like this season or next season may be the potential end of Chris Paul's career, especially while he's at the point guard uh, position. And these point guards are getting better, can shoot the ball at a clip that he's not out there defending. We had Pat Beverly call him out last summer, calling him a defensive cone, and he wasn't able to defend a lot of guards. And Pat Beverly, for him to make that statement, it speaks volumes on how a lot of point guards probably look at Chris Paul. Yeah, he's crafty. He could set the table for anybody that's on the floor for him. But right now, the addition of Kevin Durant may be good for the Suns, but the crazy part about it is can they win in the Western Conference while the Western Conference is loaded? The Western Conference is so loaded that the Lakers are at the 13th seed, and they're, I think, four games under 500, scratching the claw to get back into the scheme of things in the Western Conference. There's not going to be any easy ins or outs across the board. And knowing that, Kevin Durant is somewhat hobbled trying to get back to this team. They have to be effective on the fly, let alone what the Lakers are trying to do, what the, the Blazers are trying to do, what the Nuggets are sitting atop the Western Conference. It is not an easy slate across the board. And believe me, to me, I don't think the Nuggets can win the Western Conference, but yet I feel like they can try to prove it with the pieces that they do have and the way that their coach has been putting it together somehow, some way. So I don't know. I, I really feel bad for the situation out there. Devin Booker, I really didn't think that he would have enough to get this team back to the finals. I think Kevin Durant helps them somewhat at this point in time, but I, I don't think that it, it does happen this quickly. This is going to have to be a, a swift turnaround, especially with the all-star break coming. So let's just say the end of the week, Sunday comes around, and the All-Star break is here. They have another couple of days off. Hopefully Durant could get back out there on the floor, learn some of the offense, and start running with these guys as best as possible. But I I just don't see it happening that fast with a two-month window. That, that That's just how I feel. But we will see how this does happen effectively while he's there. But, again, him being injury-prone, Chris Paul is bumped into that injury bug as well. And when the thicker things come around, the Suns also is watching how Aiton and, and – Monty Williams have gone back and forth. They weren't even content to have him on the team, and 
they signed him to get him back there. So there's a lot of issues there on the Suns that I've, I'm, you know, glaring at to see if they could overcome it and get back to at least the Western Conference Finals to push to get to the finals and, and help somewhat ease the uh, situation around Kevin Durant and Chris Paul. Both of them alike are both uh, nearing the end of their careers because Chris Paul will be 38 this May. He'll be 38 this May, and KD's going to be 35. These guys are aging. While the league is getting younger, run-and-gun situation, and that's the that's game that the Suns like to play. They like to play run-and-gun. But the one thing about Kevin Durant, though, is that he can get shots up. That's why I feel like he could, you know, stretch out his career because you can't really – lose a jump shot. All you have to do is just, you know, jab somebody off of them and get the jump up, jump shot up. So um, we will see, but at least those are the question marks that remain for me within that organization is Chris Paul and uh, Kevin Durant, if they can make this thing happen as, as soon or as good as possible across the board. Okay. Anything else before we do get away from that, Mike? Well, I would say Denver, <clears throat> quiet, quiet moves. And maybe, you know, didn't really do a lot, but adding Thomas Bryant as a guy, you know, to be a bench guy and another guy to bang inside for them, as Jokic sometimes plays up top, maybe helps him a little bit. And at times when he's going well, uh, Luke uh, Kennard can be a a good open shot, like three-point shooter. So uh, giving them another option to go along with some of the pieces there, I think that that's uh, that that's what you uh, – those are pieces that can help you. If you keep Murray and other guys healthy, it'll be interesting to see how well they do. And I'm really surprised at how many teams, uh, with all these guys going to the West, that nobody from the East really tried to make a big step up and do a lot to improve their roster. I mean, when you're talking about the best piece uh, through the trade deadline – on the, in the Eastern Conference, like just for this year, might be Crowder to Milwaukee just because he's kind of a 3 and D guy and can hit some shots. But I'm also curious, <clears throat> and, and I would just say this as a party shot, uh, Brooklyn organization, whatever's going on in your front offices and that kind of stuff, it makes people not want to be there, uh, figure it out. <clears throat> because you're under bright lights in the big city, and you just got rid of, this big three that you put together, far, far underachieved <clears throat> for your roster. I mean, for what you hoped it would be. And so now you've traded these guys off. You've got lots of young pieces and lots of good picks. Uh, you got some guys coming back as a more mature version of themselves. But figure out what's going on. Make sure that you have management that can make management decisions and knows the right way to work with people because this is your chance to rebuild. If you do it right, you got a chance to be good. You got some youth and some pieces on that team like Cam Thomas, and <clears throat> you got a lot of picks to to build moving forward. But if you don't, it's going to be uh, it's going to be sad days and some uh, some upset people in the city of New York. And all you got to do is look down the street a couple miles to look how that looks when an organization really develops a bad rap and doesn't do right by its uh, by its guys, uh, because the other organization in that city. Uh, in a different borough is still paying that price right now when it comes to getting free agents and everything else. So be careful, Brooklyn. You've got a chance to rebuild it and do it right. You almost have a very similar product to what you had before you brought all these guys in. Uh, now you've got a lot more picks. So if you could do it right, you could be relevant in New York. But if you can't, it's going to be a long, long slog for that franchise. 
I do have a caller in queue calling out of the 203. What's your name and what's on your mind this morning? Hello? Yeah, can you hear us? I can hear you. Is this uh, uh, Sports City Chefs, Tyrone? Yes, your question. Oh, no, I, I I have a little bit more than a question. Um, I heard you talking about the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. I don't know if you um, covered this already. Um, of course, with the movement of Kyrie to Dallas, um, is nobody really pushing for them to be uh, one of the uh, problems when it comes down to the conference finals and even a, maybe even a destination of maybe being in the finals they have filled a lot of voids i mean they got luca they got wood with kyrie Irving, and then lawson playing shooting guard i mean i i think they're going to be a real tough out what are your what are your thoughts on that there ty um this is the interesting thing about it they got kyrie and luca to play last night and they lost to the kings the Kings are in third place yeah, in the West, and they're young teams. First team. How do I answer? How do I answer you? How do I? Answer yeah, you? go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so, 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 so they they just had their first run in playing together. They shared the ball. They both finished with 25 apiece. But everybody else has to fill in as best as possible. I'm going to tell the truth. I don't feel like Dallas will get back to the Western Conference Finals. I think it's a great tandem. They are definitely a one-two punch, but I, I think that they need more. Christian Wood has been there already before Kyrie got there, and he's been on the bench not being able to provide too much of a lift. They've actually, you know, I want to say reinvigorated JaVel McGee. They have JaVel out there on the floor now more than Christian Wood is out there on the floor. So, to me, I don't feel like that a thing that they're getting back to the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals, but I feel like they'll raise some hell while being in the uh, playoffs. But I, I think that people know what to expect with both of these guys. They're ball dominant unless they share the ball at the top and, and somehow start to get shots to fall across the board. But I, I think that they will have to take their lumps again this season, probably losing a second round. I don't think they get to the Western Conference Finals, though. But, Mike, your, your thoughts. How do you feel about Dallas with Kyrie? I mean, we started it a little bit uh, to start the show off. You, uh, you can actually – you know, answer the the question that he throws out also. Yeah, so to kind of, I mean, to use the Patrick Beverly term, uh, Christian Wood can score and whatnot, but he's a defensive cone. Uh, He doesn't play a lot of defense, and at the end of the day, that hurts you. Uh, I think, you know, the ceiling could be pretty high with these guys uh, if people are healthy and, you know, your your other pieces can knock down some shots, right? But I I agree with you, TP. I think they're a second-round team. I wouldn't be shocked if they made the finals, and I wouldn't be surprised if they really tested somebody uh, in the second round, even if they went down in seven games or six highly competitive games. So um, I think the conference finals is a possibility, and I think, um, you know, they have a ceiling that takes them to the uh, NBA finals. I don't know if they win a championship, but that could be the ceiling for this team. It's, I don't think it's the most likely destination. I think they're more likely to be competitive in a second-round series and probably lose a close one and not make it back to the conference finals. But um, they do have a ceiling that could take them that far. Um, I I just don't expect it. I think it's more likely that they uh, get beat handily in the second round than, than actually uh, represent the Western Conference in the NBA finals. Uh, but 
I mean, if you're a Mavericks fan, yes, you should be excited because you just got one of the uh, maybe maybe the guy in the league who has you know some of the best handles and ball skills in the game, like a super talented guy. And so you've really uh, infused your roster with more talent, and you can definitely you know have hopes. Uh, just know that hopes and dreams are just that until they become reality. Um, but I. I uh, I think they're right there with uh, teams that can get there, but probably won't. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just one last thing. Is Kyrie more of a cancer, or is he more of a uh... – I mean, listen, he said, is he more of a cancer, or is he something? And I didn't get yeah, to Yeah, he that. fell off. He fell off. But go ahead. I, I mean, go, go. I'll let you, you know, answer that, and we'll go from here. No, I mean, I, I've had some back and forth on whether or not I, I would have made the uh, trade for him as a, as a GM. But at the same time, I, he wanted out. He's got a new start, a different place to go to. So uh, I think it's up to him on uh, how he wants to carry himself and conduct himself. It's a chance for him to get a fresh start and to be somewhere new and focus on basketball. So I think he can – I think that's up to him. And I think he has the ability to write that narrative as far as what kind of teammate he is and what kind of uh, impact he has, positive or negative, on a roster. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how this all pans out. I think it's a new home. and they, Dallas is a big market, but I think it's more slowed down in the cities that he's been in. Uh, I think other than Cleveland, Cleveland's probably been a, a similar situation to Dallas, um, but yet, you know, living in the uh, shadow of LeBron first leaving and then coming back to that city makes it tougher. But uh, knowing how that Dallas team is like kind of surrounding themselves around him, he, he fell a couple of times and they all run to him. All four of the players that are on the floor ran to help him get up off the floor. So I feel like they are actually buying into what Kyrie brings or actually trying to make him feel welcome while he's there. So I'm hoping that narrative disappears and let him go out there and play ball and see what they can do because he's unguardable. <laughs> so whether people like it or not, you, you find me a point guard that can deal with him. That, that That's what I have to say when people say that he's a cancer, so on and so forth. He's a great talent. And if I were a GM or I had an organization, I'd, I'd definitely put Kyrie there. Um, unless I had a point guard that was already solidified in the league. So that's what makes it tough for other teams to kind of jump the gun and go after him. Hell, I even looked at the situation that Dallas had. They went and got him with Luka. And knowing that these guys both want the ball in their hands, but if Jason Kidd said he could make it work, I want to see it happen, especially with Jason Kidd having that success as of last season to get to a Western Conference final. Can he actually push this team to the limits again and either force them to get back to a WCF or get to the finals, that is the bigger situation that I want to see end up happening. Okay, so we will settle down on this as much as possible. This basketball stuff definitely got things kicked off in the right direction. Again, the calling number is 929-477-2759. I will not wait any longer, Sports City. I'm ready to open up my gifts as best as possible. The tree is lit. I got a wreath on the door. I got all of the... You know, the snow confetti all everywhere. I, I got it going on, man. It's, this is Christmas football situation. And, I, and what I, you got now? I can't. What you cooking today? I, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. Um, again, we have the Kansas City Chiefs 
facing off against the Philadelphia Eagles because the Eagles are the home team in this game. Even though they're not in Pennsylvania, they are not in Kansas City, but the Eagles respectively had the better record, better season this year than the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, it's all on the line. Nobody can duck anything. And the good thing about this is, is I definitely wanted to see a game where it's not, you know, pegged upon the leg of Patrick Mahomes, you know, with his ankle getting rolled up in that game. They're saying that he's completely fine. He's ready to go. He's not even on the injury list anymore. So now we have it. This is the matchup, the moment of truth. Who gets that Vince Lombardi trophy? And who who faces the agony of defeat? It, it's tough that somebody has to come in second place with both of these teams playing some fire football throughout the season. Let's get it on. So, Mike, I'll start with the defenses first. Uh, Kansas City's defense or Philadelphia's defense? How do you see it fit on both sides of the ball, and who who gets the nod on who's the better effective unit, Kansas City or Philadelphia? So I think defensively, I think the Philadelphia defense is more dynamic and probably the more talented defense altogether. I think, uh, you know, you have, what, three or four guys with double-digit sack totals um, this year. Hassan Reddick's been really good. Um, And I think that secondary uh, at times has been really solid with Darius Slay. And then, um, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the slide has made some plays and, uh, you know, led the league in picks and is not scared to come up and hit somebody and kind of agitate. So I think uh, this Eagles defense is a more complete roster. But when I look at Kansas City, I see a guy like Chris Jones who, especially from the inside, from the defensive tackle position, you know, can really disrupt the game and has really grown into a, a fantastic player. Um, this Chiefs secondary has had some ups and downs, but it's because they're so young. But they drafted a lot of these guys together. Uh, they are starting to mesh really well as the season goes on. Um, and I think they're going to grow together for a while. And so I think that Andy Reid and that defensive staff will have – uh, this team ready to go today, um, and I and I think I expect them to play pretty well. But you know the youth in the secondary for Kansas City, and like I said, just across the board up front, more disruptors. I I give a slight edge to the Eagles defensively. You also forgotten Dominican Sue was up front and on that defensive line as well, and he's also had success against Kansas City in the Super Bowl when he was with Tampa Bay as well. So that's also another veteran that knows what this offense can potentially do. So that's another name that they're out there. Uh, I agree. I I think Philadelphia's defense has more on all three levels, uh, being the front line, the linebacker core, and the secondary, compared to what Kansas City may do. But not to downplay Kansas City's defense, they are effective enough to get stops. And I think that the better question for Kansas City is, if everything is guarded, if they're doing their job defending well, who stops the 11th guy? Who comes up and spies the best to stop Jalen Hurts? They have been winning games this season off of him alone, figuring it out whether he's getting the ball out as fast as he can or letting A.J. Brown be effective downfield or taking off and picking up yardages of 5, 10, 15, 20, 30. Like, he could go downfield and hurt you. Patrick Mahomes could do the same thing also, but I don't want to see too much into the offense as well. I'm saving that. 
But if the Kansas City Chiefs have a linebacker that could stay with them or if they want to use a safety to come down and, and fill the box to try and figure this out, it's going to be great. But I don't want to go against Spagnuolo because Spagnuolo gets this figured out somehow, some way when it comes around this time of the season. He's up to some magic uh, in the postseason. So watch that because Spagnuolo is a, a mastermind. When they put that camera on him, it's just something about him. It's like they don't lose when they uh, – when the defense is working well and they, you know, they spag, no lose the guy behind it. So we, we will see, but I do give the edge or the nod to Philadelphia's defense. I feel like they have more pieces that are ready to go at this point in time. Okay, so I'm going to save the best for last. So the next unit I want to go to is the special teams. Who do you think is the better or effective special teams unit, whether it's the Kansas City Chiefs again or Philadelphia Eagles? Who do you think will, you know, keep the chains move as best as possible, whether it's in the punt game or the kickoff situation, Who who's the team that's going to be more effective in this game? Mike, if you're there, you're on I'm mute to speak. I sure was, sir. Uh, special teams, I think, honestly, I would give the edge on the special team to uh, Philly, only because uh, Harrison Buckner, Buckner has struggled some this year, but he Seems to be healthy now and kicking well, as, as evidenced by his kicks in the postseason. Um, I think Jake Elliott is just as good a kicker. But I, I think the special teams are are pretty close. And now that I actually think all the way through it, um, I'm going to almost say a wash with the, with the Chiefs kicker being more healthy because I, I, I still think Andy Reid and that coaching staff being experienced for that long uh, – if there's going to be some sort of uh, trick or something thrown out, it's going to be by that team and that special teams if they feel like they need it. Um, so maybe a slight edge to Kansas City on special teams, but uh, it to me it's not enough of a difference to uh, to write home about. So are you giving the edge to Kansas City or Philadelphia? Because you started off with Philly, now you went to Kansas City. Who has the edge in the game? Um, I'll give it to Kansas City. Okay, so this this is a one-one situation. I think the speed of Kansas City will actually help them as best as possible, but I think Philadelphia's kicking game, if that does become an issue, I think that may work out best for them too. I, I feel like they can actually, you know, get some of these field goals to fall if they do fall into that situation. But uh, the one thing about Kansas City is they they are able to move the ball offensively too. I, I feel like if their kicker gets involved, he's going to be facing. 40-yard kicks. It's not. He's not going to be having to boot 50 or 60-yard kicks at all. So um, I'm going to give the edge to Kansas City as well. This is a very interesting and effective matchup because it's, it's grit your teeth picks. Right? Like you don't know which way to go. And it's, it's like Philly's able to answer the call as well as much as possible. Okay, so here we go. Everything's on the line here. You save the best for last with the offensive unit. Who has the better offensive unit? In this matchup, Whew. Uh, once again, I think that overall, talent-wise, I probably give uh, the edge as far as talent in, on the roster as a whole to Philadelphia. I like their receiving core more, um, as far as. A.J. Brown being a physical presence down the field. I like the speed of Devontae Smith, and I think they play really well um, off of each other. 
Um, obviously, at tight end, uh, a complete edge to Kansas City with Travis Kelsey. Goddard's not bad, but he ain't no Travis Kelsey. Uh, I give a slight edge to the Eagles' offensive line. Uh, no, I think it's close, but I give a slight edge to the Eagles' offensive line. Um, I like the plethora of, of backs, like the multiple options that that Philly has, but I think the running game's pretty close because I really like Pacheco. Uh, I like him over 46-and-a-half today a lot. Um, and McKinnon's been doing his thing, catching the ball at the backfield. So um, I think that those two having their defined roles and being so effective in it kind of helps cancel out the fact that the Eagles have multiple, you know, even three a three-headed monster there really, you know, with Gainwell Sanders and Boston Scott, the little man who tends to kill the Giants. Uh, so, and I think that I I love Jalen and what he does. As you said, he's made throws down the field and been able to get it to AJ Brown, his receivers. Uh, you know, more touchdowns in the air that travel more than twenty yards than anybody in the league, I think, this year. Um, and then he also had so many different things where he you know made plays with his legs to get positive yardage. Uh, and I love the season that he's had. Like, can't say enough good things about Jalen Hurts. At the end of the day, though, uh, Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league. Um, he's moving healthy or moving better. I think he's a healthier quarterback. There hasn't been a whole lot of talk about it, but I'm still wondering if Jalen's shoulders barking at him a little bit. Um, and at the end of the day, this is a quarterback-driven league, so I'm going to give a slight edge offensively to Kansas City. Uh, I'm I'm going the other way. Um, I go I'm going with Philadelphia's offense. Uh, I'm begging to differ on offensive line. I think Philadelphia's offensive line has been ranked number one in the league. I don't think Kansas City's offensive line is that close to them, even though they are efficient enough to like keep Mahomes upright as best as possible. But don't forget. Mahomes was on the run a lot, and he ended up getting injured due to the pressure that he faced in the Cincinnati game. So I give the offensive line a, a clear nod for Philadelphia. Um, one thing about the quarterback situation, this is this is tough for me to say in front of everybody, but I'm going to say it. I feel like they wash each other out. I think uh, Mahomes is very effective with his arm and makes the right play at the right time. Some people actually question him making the right play at the right time because they wouldn't teach a lot of quarterbacks on what he's doing, but he's able to make it happen while Jalen Hurts can actually pass the ball well, but he's also a runner, and he's an able and efficient runner too. So him making plays on the run actually kind of washes it out for me. I don't think one is bigger than the other, even though, just like you said, Mahomes won the MVP. So it's like interesting enough to see how that goes down. But I, I feel like they wash each other out, at least for me. That, that's how I look at that the quarterback situation. The tight end situation is very interesting. I know that Kelsey is the better tight end, but I think Goddard is effective as well. I don't want to say just as, but he's effective uh, in the offensive scheme of things for Philadelphia too, especially uh, with the the secondary that Kansas City has. Those safeties are going to have their hands full dealing with Goddard, let alone that they have to be ready to brace themselves for Devontae and what A.J. brings too. But I don't even want to spill too much into the receivers, even though that's that's the way I feel. But I think Travis Kelsey's the better tight end, but I feel like Goddard is just as efficient uh, offensively. But I will give the nod to Kansas City because I am a Travis Kelsey fan, regardless of how it looks. He's an awesome tight end. And ever since Gronk was around him, those two were going at it for 
a while on who was the best tight end in the league, and now that Gronk is gone, I don't feel like there's a tight end in the league better than Kelsey. But I will give the nod to Kansas City if I really have to at the tight end position. The receiving core, Kansas City has speed still. They That's the one thing about Andy Reid is, is he's going to end up killing you with speed one way or another. If it's coming out of the backfield or downfield, he has some receivers that can win. But, see, the thing is on Philadelphia's side of the ball is that they have a defense that could stay with these guys if they're there. Now, the the pressure is all on Kansas City secondary. We all know on what the offense can do within Kansas City, right? If, if this is going to be a shootout, it's going to be a shootout. But if they can't stop or slow down A.J. Brown, Devontae, and these guys in that offensive scheme and things, Philadelphia's offense can make this a hell of a game or a lot of pressure on Kansas City to have to score touchdowns if they're scoring touchdowns. So the receiving core to me, I give the edge to Philadelphia, especially while they are underrated to me. I feel like people don't rate them as high as they should be as a receiving core. I feel like they, they deserve more credit than what they've done because they're young. They're a young bunch of guns other than A.J. Brown, which he's, he's fairly young to me. I feel like he's more the veteran out of that system, but they, they're getting it done. I, I'm giving the edge to Philadelphia in the receiving game and to notch this thing up. If I'm giving the offensive line the nod for Philadelphia, the running game has been consistently there for Philadelphia throughout the season. We we know them as a balanced attack, but their staple has been their rushing attack, whether it's Scott, whether it's Gainwell, whether it's Sanders. These guys have been able to run the ball effectively across the board. Yeah, I know Pacheco's had games where he had glimpses and been able to score the ball here or there, but they have a three-headed monster in Pennsylvania that has been able to do it all season long. Three heads are better than one, for sure. Clyde Tolaire is a guy that they're looking to move off of in the running game as well. So we're going to – to me, I think Pacheco's going to need another guy to come in there and spell him uh, and try to get effective yards too, whether it's, it's the – the 44, 45 yards that you said that he's going to have to come up with. And, of course, I feel like he may go over, but they're going to need another running back to give them 30 or better just so the run game is honest to keep that secondary on their heels as best as possible so they can balance their thing out in Kansas City. So the running game, I'm definitely giving it to Philadelphia, especially with Jalen Hurts being a runner as well. So you got to add the quarterback into this because he's an effective runner too. If he doesn't see anything downfield, he's going to hurt you unless there's a responsible defensive lineman or a linebacker that could get to him before he escapes that pressure, whether they're sending a blitzer or if it's just the front four and he's finding a gap. Uh, there's too much uh, on the hands of Kansas City trying to deal with this rushing attack that they do pose uh, in this game. Okay, so this is where we go to the minds, the master of the minds, if you will, with Andy Reid being an offensive mastermind and Sirianni, making a heck of a name for himself this season. Nick Sirianni, I do not know, and I'm apologizing for myself. I don't even want to speak on the rest of the nation or people that follow football. You deserve Coach of the Year. I could care less on how good it looked for the Giants, for them to go 9-7-1, and one, for them to give it to a coach that was in the same division of a team that is in the Super Bowl right now that had double-digit wins and barely lost this season. Nick Sirianni, to me, you deserve Coach of the Year for what you've done for Philadelphia to get them to this point of the season. But uh, thoughts of the meeting of the minds, who's the better coaching staff? Is it Kansas City or Philadelphia, Mike? I agree with you 100% on Sirianni as far as he's had a great year. And good on him. 
But I think I think it's Andy Reid. I think it's um you know, he's he's been to this a few different times. He's you know, coached at a very high level for years. He's got an offensive coach and a defensive coach that have been with him for a while, some you know, continuity in that system. Um, that really knows the athletes. Um, so I think that at the end of the day, I think it's Andy Reid. Uh, my hat's off to Sirianni and everything that, that Philly has done this year. And, you know, now they're about to lose their offensive coordinator after this game. Uh, but maybe. We'll see. But I think uh, at the end of the day, I I give the edge to the Kansas City coaches with Andy Reid leading the hell, leading the charge. Yeah, I agree. I I think Andy Reid is the more, you know, heady coach in the situation. He's the vet. It's been through so many different scenarios, been to several Super Bowls, um, and Nick Sirianni really hasn't been there as a head coach. So I'm giving the edge to Andy Reid as a head coach, but Sirianni in his own right for what he's been able to do, as many tasks that he has faced throughout this season, he's been able to overcome a ton of it. Uh, beating some teams three times. So, Sirianni, like I said, you are my coach of the year, even though I don't like Philadelphia at all. You are my coach of the year. I don't I don't understand how they gave it to Sable when the, the Giants have had some crazy slip-ups throughout the season. But that's just me. That's how I feel about this situation. But I, I, I feel like Andy Reid can out-edge this situation in the coach of the year or the coach of this game, if I will. Not saying coach of the year. I'm stuck on that award. Um, but nevertheless, I, I this, this is a true test on will against will in, in this game. But I, I'll give the nod to Andy Reid as well. Okay, so we've come up with all of the units uh, being mentioned. How about the players of this game? Like, who, who do you feel like are going to be the players that will be really effective in this matchup? I feel like, I mean, the easy answer is Pat Mahomes, right? Like, but I expect A.J. Brown to have a good game downfield uh, for uh, Philly. I think we'll see, you know, how that turns out. But I, I think both offenses are going to do – are going to play pretty well today. Uh, but I – Mahomes and then I, I, I think Pacheco gets his yards. I think that's the one thing that uh, the Philadelphia defense – has sometimes struggled at is in the uh, in the run game. So uh, watch uh, watch Pacheco and then watch McKinnon is that escape valve um, out of the backfield, uh, being that other person that gets in the yards. It may look like the forward pass, but watch for uh, watch for Jared McKinnon in this game too. Uh, but I I think that for the Eagles to win this game uh, because this is probably. Uh, you know, this is the best team they played all year, and they're going to get probably tested more in some in some ways more in this game than they have all year. Uh, I think AJ Brown, their star wide receiver, they gave a lot to get. Who has, when he has been effective, has really really uh, allowed this team to be extremely extremely explosive. And I think for the Eagles to be in this game to win it at the end, I think AJ Brown has to have a MVP type day today. I'm going to say this the best that I can. Of course, I agree with you. Patrick Mahomes is the guy. You got to cut the head off the snake to 
you know, deal with the rest of this body. So you got to deal with Patrick Mahomes as, as heady as he is and making a lot of plays happen off the fly. Can throw the ball with both hands if it's a short enough pass. He can make the pass with his left hand if you're sending pressure to him and he has to make an erratic five-yard pass. He can do that. So just knowing how miraculous this game can be in front of him, I yeah, I know that you missed this guy. Travis Kelsey is going to be effective in this game. Philadelphia is going to have to stop him if they want to win this game. Somehow, some way, it's tough because he's 6'5", he's 260. He can move like a receiver. Best tight end in the game. I, I can't take that away from him. Um, and he has a swagger. He got a little wiggle to him. So, like, Travis Kelsey's definitely a, a dynamic piece. And I don't know how he didn't receive a big contract. But, I mean, he, he, of course, he's getting money regardless. But this guy is excellent for that offense. Um, I'm not going to take that away from him at all. Um, downfield threats, I, I know that, you know, the names aren't as household as he's used to when he had Tyreek around there. But these guys have been able to make plays all across the board. Uh, Valdez, Scantling. Uh, you know, and Juju as well. Juju's been here also. So, like, they, they have some names in that offense. But this, this okay. is Kansas City side of the ball. What did you say? I couldn't hear you. I said Nicole Hartman's back, too. And so we got we got him back and healthy for this game. And then it'll be interesting to see if uh, either Skywalker and or uh, Tony, uh, if they make appearances in this game and, and what they can do for Kansas City downfield. Okay, and, and looking at uh, Philadelphia's side of the ball, of course, that running game, like we mentioned, but I, I think Miles Sanders will definitely be effective in this game. If they could get Boston Scott started, this would definitely be a, a great key because he's a smaller back hiding behind that offensive line. If he could pick up anywhere from three to six yards a clip, that'll help him, especially when he's coming into the game because you don't know what they're going to do because they have so many different options to go to within that, that scheme. Um if Philadelphia wants to win this game, I'm saying this right here, right now, all eyes are on number one. Jalen Hurts has to win this game. I, I I don't want to put this pressure on him at all. I know he's young. I know he faced so much adversity coming from college to the league and everything having to turn around for him. For him to go from being benched in Alabama for Tua Tagovailoa, then going to Oklahoma, and making a run for a Heisman Trophy, so on and so forth. And then coming into the league and then trying to figure out how he's going to fit in Philadelphia, finally getting his job done and making an interesting run as of last season going up against Tampa Bay and losing big and then scoring points late to make that game interesting but still falling short up against Tampa Bay to be here and now in the Super Bowl with a respected record, everything on the line. If Philadelphia wants to win this game, Jalen Hurts has to be the MVP. He has to. Whether if he's picking up yards on the ground or he's making efficient throws to complete passes and move those chains, he has a lot of work to do to go up against the offensive juggernaut of Kansas City. Um, Devontae Smith, he's going to have to be ready. I I mean, a lot of those receivers. I know A.J. Brown is definitely going to be ready. I just hope this is a clean game. I don't want injuries to be a factor and feel like we got robbed. I feel like the way Philadelphia pulled that one off, against the Patriots a few years ago when the Patriots all started getting hurt before the game and then they lost some receivers in the game too and Brady was just going to war with Gronk. I don't want that type of situation, but injuries do occur in football games. I'm hoping, and again, I am hoping, that this game remains clean. But once again, if Philadelphia wants to get this game, Jalen Hurts is going to have to take on the world of Kansas City. 
and, and I don't I don't feel like the world is on his side right now because I feel Kansas City has a, a bit too much when scoring the ball and Andy Reid knowing what to do up against defenses, let alone that's his home. He, he's from he, – he started his career out head coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. So there's, there's a lot on the line and a lot of storylines within it. Andy Reid playing against his former team and him and Sirianni have history being on the same staff at one point. The Kelsey brothers, I, I think that's one of the best stories ever in football. Like I remember the Harbaugh brothers playing, uh, coaching against one another, but now the Kelsey brothers – coaching up against each other and uh Jason Kelsey the older brother his wife is pregnant so she may end up having a child at the game they're bringing people there to make sure that she's okay at the game so on and so forth it's so many interesting storylines this is one of the more bone chilling goosebump super bowls that you could think of i really cannot wait honestly i cannot wait okay so mike is there anything that you'd like to add to it before we get away from it yeah two things man um and I'm going to say the second one just because I think it's the most important. And I know it's been mentioned on our shows already, but if, if you don't mind, allow me one more time. Uh, but before I hit that one, um, you know, we talk all this about A.J. Brown and watch what could be the difference between and Jalen Hurts get that MVP. Uh, let's not forget about the speed of Devontae Smith. He can definitely hit a home run if, if, uh, if Hurts can uh, – that, that could be – you know, something that happens. Because once again, uh, you know, we don't play these games on paper. Anything can happen. But watch Devontae Smith and his speed on the Philadelphia side of the ball, uh, on the outside. But, Thomas, reading a lot of stories again this week, I just want to mention it one more time, man. Like, uh, 35 years ago, man from Zachary, Louisiana, first black quarterback to ever lead a team to an NFL championship, winning the Super Bowl with the Commanders. And we've seen a handful of other black quarterbacks play in the Super Bowl, not nearly as many as we should have. But now for the first time to have two black quarterbacks going head-to-head um, in this game is, is a special moment, like even to me as a football fan and even thinking about that. And uh, the you know stories that I've read or comments from both of these guys about what it means and how they hope that it inspires other generations to be the norm. Uh, it, it just makes my heart feel full, man. It kind of, you know, makes the, uh, you know, makes that hair on your arm stand up the same way it does when you know you hear vocals or something that really moves you, man. So, uh, I feel like that's a storyline that I've heard mentioned some, but not nearly enough, man. And so I just wanted to say that one more time uh, before we move on and make our predictions and all that. It's it's a special moment. Uh, in history, man, and I'm just I'm just proud to, to see it as somebody who uh, never understood why segregation was a thing, and it you know growing up in the South, it ended much later than it should have in other places. So, you know, I even was taught by some people and spent time listening to and sharing space with people that were part of a system in which there were two different schools and that kind of thing. And, and then being able to, um, luckily not having to live through that, but knowing that a lot of that has happened and there's still a lot of progress to be made. But to see two black men starting as quarter as quarterbacks, uh, not just at receivers and running backs and other positions and DBs on the football field in the biggest, most important game um, where everything is on the line in the sport that we love uh, – it's just a, an amazing moment to me, and I'm glad to be able to witness it today. 
funny. It's February. They call this Black History Month. Well, here goes some history at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with these two quarterbacks going at it. Um, effectively, so Jalen Hurts has had to overcome a lot, and knowing that all of the black quarterbacks that have gone through it over decades of time has <clears throat> been basically saying that they aren't prototypical quarterbacks for the NFL. Now you have two of them that rightfully so has the world at their feet right now waiting to see who's going to bring the trophy back to their respective cities. Um, I still remember, you know, you talking about the history and talking about the past. I will never forget a quarterback that was so underrated, small, but could play that position like just like Jalen Hurts. He could scramble and he could make throws, but they didn't give him the respected time while he was in the NFL or he didn't even really have that big of an NFL career. He got drafted and sat on the bench, and that was Joey Hamilton. He used to play at Georgia Tech. He played for Tampa Bay, but he didn't get to play. And uh, it, it was terrible because I feel like he could have been effective. They had Sean King there, and Sean was okay, but he never really got over the hump. But just watching a lot of them come and fall, and now at this point in time, one of them are going to bring it back. And not to say that it hasn't been done because Russell Wilson's done it, Doug Williams has done it, um, so on and so forth. But now that they're both at the pinnacle at this point in time, they, they got to erase that, that they can't make it happen. Because now this game has become more elusive than anything. You can't be a statue anymore in that pocket. You have to be able to move if you're going to stand back there. Look at Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback that can stay back there, but he has to move. Uh, the quarterbacks that do stay back there, they're a threat to get sacked. So um, I think the game has changed, especially with defensive linemen being faster and stronger and physical. You can't sit back there and take sacks. You can't lose four or five yards on a sack anymore. It hurts you. So, um, again, it's Black History Month, and it's, it's good to see this potential happen at this point in time right now. Hopefully the ball continues to roll and not be a, a – uh, ethnic background thing, uh, especially at the quarterback position. Okay, so here we are. We are at the end of this situation. Um, your thoughts on who wins the game and why, Mike? Is it the visiting Kansas City Chiefs or is it the home team, Philadelphia Eagles? You know, I've gone back and forth on this a lot this week because um, I love what Jalen Hurts has done and I love his dual threat capability. And I love his ability to make things happen when he doesn't see anything there. And I like the production that he's gotten from those receivers and the multiple guys that run the ball. Um, Mahomes is just that dude in this game. Uh, at, at the end of the day, even though I think the Eagles on both sides of the ball probably have the more talented roster and maybe the best collection of talent. Um, I think the running game for Kansas City's found their defined roles. I think Pacheco was uh, very much so overlooked, and he landed in the right system. I think he gets over that yardage today. I think McKinnon makes some plays out of the backfield. We've talked about Kelsey and the other pieces on the outside. I think the Kansas City defense can make just enough plays to make it happen. I expect it to be a really close game, but when I think that it's going to be close at the end of the day, I think it's a quarterback-driven league, and I still think Pat Mahomes is a little bit better, more experienced in advance than uh, Jalen Hurts now, and I think the experience edge on that coaching staff as well. So the coaching back, I'm going to say trio, when you can t- or, or have Spagnola, Bien-Ami, and, and Reed combined with Mahomes and, and guys that know the system, 
I think it, at the end, that's what wins out. And I think that the Kansas City Chiefs win this game uh, close. I mean, I, I want to say like a 34-31 or 31-27 type of game. I think it's going to be an entertaining and a good football game. But I think Kansas City gets it done today. I definitely think this is a shootout. I, I feel like that over-under is in jeopardy, even though a lot of people that I've spoken to said it's going to be the under. A lot of people are going under 50 because we all expect it to be a shootout. I don't think they will disappoint. I think we've seen a couple of these Super Bowls go down, and um, they haven't really disappointed, but they haven't really lit up the scoreboard like we are used to seeing in some of these games. I feel like we have a, a vent in front of us. Um I feel like this is going to be one of those 31-27 games. I feel like this is going to go down. I'm going with the home of Philadelphia. There's a song called Home of Philly with uh, young Chris and Beanie Siegel. I could just hear it on Philly Philly with Beanie Siegel and Eve rapping that song. I I just feel like this is there because there's so many things on the line against them. Andy Reid leaving there and finally getting his Super Bowl. Um, The offensive lineman that just got caught up in this situation in his own right and, and doing the wrong thing. I feel like Philly is destined to make this happen, and especially while them being gypped of the coach of the at least the coach of the year situation. And knowing that Jalen Hurts was respectively in the uh, voting for MVP and Patrick Mahomes got it, and not to take anything away from Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes definitely deserved it with the season that he's had. But Philly has to taste blood on their lip at this point in time, and I feel right now that they can't fall short. Uh, in another birdcage, knowing that that toaster – it's a bird zone being the Cardinals where they rest. I, I'm, I'm going with Philadelphia to win this game uh, and shake up things in the world and um, bring the NFC right to where they need to be because last year the Rams got it. Does it continue in the NFC? And I feel like it does happen. I think Philadelphia brings it back to the Keystone State, a.k.a. Pennsylvania. Okay, so we'll stop here. Give me a plug, closeout, shout-out, anything that you like to promote, Mike, as we shut the doors here. On the brunch. Man, first of all, always promote UTP, uh, promote and share. Uh, much love and respect, bro. Shout out to the other chefs as well. Uh, the villain, Barry Jordan, the Jordan Foundation, Mr. Uh, Aaron Simmons is calling serious. Uh, Tanner Knight, my tag team partner on Thursday nights when we do roundtable gumbo. We got the Carlos Cookout on Wednesday nights. Uh, the hero versus the villain, we're good, always wins. And then uh, on Tuesday nights right now, we got uh, one more doing the NFL free-for-all. Uh, we're probably going to have uh, some more baseball content coming up as spring training uh, pitchers, catchers report. Uh, not sure if that's going to be part of our Thursday night thing or if we're going to uh, twist some things together on on Tuesday. Still kind of weighing some of that out and got to talk to the big man. But we're, we, we're going to have baseball content uh, as well coming up. Lots of stuff on the website, sportcitychefs.com. we got blogs, articles, shows coming at you uh, multiple days out of the week. So um, like and subscribe. You can listen to us. You can find our podcast. You can also listen to us live on the Blog Talk Radio site. You can come through all your smart speakers and everything else. So just uh, listen to us and follow us and subscribe us if you enjoy the content. We'll keep uh, serving uh, hot topics to put up on your spoon. Uh, listen, also, barbershop on Clubhouse, man, always a family environment. Sometimes some contentious conversations, but uh, sports conversations, life conversations, um, about a wide variety of things and sports. But uh, we'll have a watch along during the Super Bowl today uh, in the on Clubhouse uh, in the barbershop. So come check out the club. 
I'm going to bring it correct because if you slip, you might get clipped. And uh, listen, we always have uh, good clips to laugh about. Like, there's some legends in there. Shout out to Quick, um, the main moderators, and, uh, and our little brother who's uh, always in the barbershop and others that are part of the uh, barbershop crew. But there's some fantastic moderators and personalities and people there. So come vibe with our community. Uh, also, shout out to PHI Apparel. Eagles are in the Super Bowl. So listen, if you know anybody that's an Eagles fan, you got the Super Bowl content. But if they win today, any of our listeners, if you know anybody from Philly, we appreciate it. We, we expect you to go check out phiapparel.co and do your shopping. You get your uh, Super Bowl champion merchandise if uh, that's what they end up doing. Otherwise, you can still grab your NFC championship stuff. So uh, use the promo code at chefs, uh, chefs at checkout, uh, and you will get 15% off on your order there. So once again, man, as we're saying, uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, TP. I still want to know when I asked what you were cooking up. So maybe you can give me this as part of your close, uh, plug and close out. Maybe you won't. But uh, what you going to be uh, actually cooking up? What What are your Super Bowl snacks and, and grub look like today uh, at the House of Time? So I'm just I'm just curious to know on my way out, bro. But always, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be alongside with you, man. I just hope I'm worthy of carrying your knives, bro. Laissez-les-bons-en-roulette. Peace. Shrimp scampi, meatball, taco salad. Uh, I think there's a lasagna being brought, uh, seafood salad, and ribs and steak is all online today. So this ain't really a uh, – I think somebody did say they were going to bring wings. So, so wings are usually what I have on a Sunday during the games, like when I go to a bar or something to watch the games. But – I'm usually away from it because I know how the people I'm around on Super Bowl Sunday, they really get down and throw down. So I, this this is the type of meal that I'm epically waiting for. So I'm I'm running to try to go shopping before everything runs out of there because I, I definitely need my stuff. I need I need my scallions. I need my garlic. I need my white wine to cook with. I need I need all of it, man. I'm a chef for real. I went to school for it. That's for sure. SportsCityChefs.com. Check out the website, the interviews, the blogs, the chefs. We'll be back here as soon as possible, definitely Tuesday. If this is one of those epic games, y'all just stay tuned. We are on every media that you need. Check us out at Linktree, that's for sure. SportsCityChefs.com, you already know how we got things locked and loaded. I feel some type of way. Mahomes versus Hurts. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs. Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the Sports City Chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef,